minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday, President's Day in the USA. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Dungeon did arise. 
Lenny, and to my surprise, it was a graveyard smash. We got out in a flash. The Slot Rock
latest video posted by uh, Aaron Teitelbaum and his orchestra, Simcha Liner, with that combination of uh, Tfilat Kala and Mivon Siach here on a Monday at JM in the AM. Uh, I was with them last night, the Aaron Teitelbaum Orchestra, <coughs> at the um, beautiful wedding at the Sheraton, at the um, uh, Hilton Meadowlands, and um, just an unbelievably spectacular celebration. And, uh, Shlaimi Daskal, Benny Friedman, just unbelievable. And Shlaimi Daskal, spectacular in an incredible chuppah presentation. Uh, before that, you heard, um, Pischi Lee done by Simcha Liner, Schlockrock's Baruch Hagever. You heard Mayor Sherman, our Monday morning theme song, Masech Hashem, and from Regesh, Modani opening things up. As we say, good morning. We had amazing news on the Simcha front in the JM and the AM family over the weekend. Many of you know this already. Between the JM Sunday and the big celebration that Matis led yesterday morning, and of course the word that started getting out on Saturday night through social media, uh, we want to take this opportunity and wish a very special Mazel Tov to uh, Ellie Weingast and Ariel Engelmeyer. And of course a Mazel Tov to uh, Karen and Matis of Elizabeth, New Jersey to uh, Debbie and Judah and Teaneck, New Jersey, and the entire family. It is uh, always extra special when you know both families of a simcha. It is extra, extra special when you know both families for a very, very long time uh, for a simcha. And it's extra, extra, extra special when there's a, a JM and the AM component and we as a family 
uh, here at the radio show get to celebrate together as well. So this was an amazing and incredible piece of news for everybody. To uh, Ellie and Ariel, we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at the JM in the AM. And um, and it really is for us a, a massive family celebration. Just uh, the, the, the news and the word started spreading like wildfire on Saturday night. We had an incredible celebration yesterday in honor of the engagement. And uh, again, to Karen and Matis and to the Weingast and Engelmeyer families, Mazalta from all of us here at JM in the AM. Just wonderful and incredible news. It's Monday on this February 16th, the 27th of Shvat. It's President's Day here in the United States. It's also five degrees in Jersey City. <laughs> Yes, it's five degrees in Jersey City with the wind chill at minus seven. Sixty percent humidity, winds are west, seven miles per hour, mostly sunny with a high temperature of 23. Then tonight, snow late with a low temperature of 16. Tomorrow, just as everyone gets ready to go back to school, looks like morning snow showers at a high temperature of 27 degrees. Oh, I would take 27 right now. 52 and rainy in Yerushalayim, 61 in Tel Aviv, 55 in Haifa, and 68 degrees in a lot. We're at 5 with a wind chill of minus 7 on a Monday President's Day here at JM in the AM. My gosh, could you imagine that that's how cold it is? Unbelievable. Uh, the news from Israel, very sad, especially for those of us who are uh, big fans of Uri Orbach. Uh, Minister Uri Orbach has passed away, only 55 years old. Many, many people in our audience, even last night at the wedding I was at, uh, people were discussing his condition and the fact that he was deteriorating rapidly. And uh, sure enough, Senior Citizens Minister Uri Orbach of Bayit Yehudi died Monday, today, after doctors at a Jerusalem hospital had fought to save his life. Officials at Shari Tzedek Medical Center said Sunday that the 54-year-old's condition had worsened significantly. Orbach was hospitalized in late January for treatment of a rare blood disease from which he suffered. Prime Minister Netanyahu and President Rivlin visited the minister Sunday night before his death. He survived by his wife and four children. His funeral today, 4.30 this afternoon, in Modi'in. Prime Minister Netanyahu sent his condolences to Orbach's family. I grieve the passing of Ori Orbach, a minister in the government of Israel, writer, journalist, spiritual man, and Jewish patriot, Netanyahu said. I have never known anyone that met him and didn't love him. Yesterday, next to his family, I said goodbye to him at the hospital with a sense of profound grief and loss. Uri will be missed by his dear family, his fellow ministers, and the state of Israel. Economy Minister Naftali Bennett mourned the loss of his fellow Bayat Yehudi minister, saying, My older brother has left me. Uri, a man of laughs and seriousness, of wisdom and honesty, of strength and vision. There was not a man as loved as Uri in the cynical and cold world of politics, Bennett added. Shas leader Aryeh Derry expressed sorrow at the news of Orbach's death, sending condolences to his family. I was sorry to hear of the death of my friend, the minister Uri Orbach, who was perhaps the prime example of liveliness and unending love of life. Foreign Minister Avigdor Lieberman rem- remembered Orbach as someone with a deep love for country and people. Orbach was a central figure in the state of Israel in the past few decades and has huge influence on Israeli society, and his huge influence on Israeli society will always remain, Lieberman said. Orbach succeeded in representing a large, important group in Israeli society and was a man who knew how to combine his love for the land of Israel with his love for the people of Israel. 
May his memory be a blessing. Defense Minister Yalon said that Uri possessed the qualities to bring together religious and secular left and right, Jews and non-Jews. He never spoke harshly and always respected others, even those he disagreed with. Yalon added that Orbach had clear views that he stood up for, but he was tolerant and patient enough to listen to the opinion of others. Uri Orbach has passed away officially 54 years old, and... Um, Mayor Weingarten is uh, certainly going to spend some time during the Israel show this morning at 9 o'clock Eastern time, right after JM and the AM, discussing Ori Orbach. And that, that, in addition to what he has scheduled for his live presentation between 9 and 10 this morning, right after JM and the AM, we suggest you listen on jmtheam.org or on the NSN app, the Nachum Siegel Network app, and you'll be able to hear Mayor Weingarten on the passing of Ori Orbach and on many other important topics in Israel today. Monday morning broadcast. It's JM in the AM at 28 minutes before 7 o'clock. As we said uh, today at the, um, uh, here at JM in the AM, thank God there is, uh, there is a festive atmosphere because we are, uh, still spreading the word about the Weingast and Engelmeyer engagement. And, uh, uh, to Ellie and Ariel, we want to wish a very, very special Mazel Tov. Here's Eight Time Cats with Asher Bara. At JM, oh, one second. If we're going to do Eight Time Cats as Asher Burrow, we should in fact do that song. There we go. Eight Time Cats, Asher Burrow at JM in the AM. Asher
former good times. We had great leaders. We had Sadiqim. We had great prophets. The former Sheikh is coming. All of us are little prophets. You know what happened? The six million brought prophecy into the world. Because when they walked to the gas chambers, they saw what nobody saw before. I want you to know, friends, I was privileged to see soldiers late at night with a gun in their hand looking up to the sky. I can swear to you they saw what nobody saw before. And they felt what nobody will ever feel again. I've been privileged to hold hands of wounded soldiers. They're waiting for Mashiach to bring them their eyes, their feet, their souls, their hearts. And they feel what nobody felt before. But you know, my friends, what keeps us going? One little prophecy, one little prophecy. Oh, the
Shalom, shalom. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
FM in the AM. Leviathan with Ain Ode Milvado. Im Ain Anili Mili done by Ben Sion Lehrer. Miami Boys with Yassis Alayich, Shlomo Kalbach with Od Shaman, Eitan Katz with Asher Bara, which we're dedicating to the brand new Chassan and Kala. As we wish uh, Mazel Tov to the Weingast and Engelmeyer families, Ellie and Ariel are a uh, newly engaged couple. Happened Saturday night. We say Mazel Tov, and uh, as I said earlier, when you know both families, it's extra special. I mean, it's part of the JM and the AM family. It's extra, extra special. To the Karen and Matis and to uh, Debbie and Judah and uh, the extended families, a major mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. 7 o'clock in the morning on a Monday. It's President's Day here in the U.S. Thanks for listening in from around the world. Mayor Weingarten will present a live one-hour edition of the Israel Show coming up between 9 and 10. We spoke of the passing of Uri Orbach at the age of 54. Mayor will have plenty to say about the life of Uri Orbach and many other topics Having to do with the news from Israel, we'll uh, outline that for you in just a few minutes. That'll all be happening between 9 and 10 this morning, right after JM in the AM. Mazel Tov to Rochelle and Mark Zamek. A beautiful dinner for the young Israel of Teaneck this past Saturday night. We're so glad to be there and celebrate with them. They were guests of honor at the dinner this past Saturday night. And um, uh, Mark's uh, landmark speech about public service in our community, I believe is already available online. I'll let you know as soon as I am definitely sure about that. Uh, it was really a wonderful presentation. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Seems like we're having some trouble with our news from Israel. And if that remains the case, we will go back to uh, we will go back to our regular programming. Oh, here we go. News from Israel next at JMNAM. <laughs> נפרדים מאורי אורבך, הממשלה תערוך בעוד שעה ישיבת אבל מיוחדת בעקבות מותו של השר אורבך שנפטר היום לאחר מאבק ממושך במחלת דם והוא בן 54. בכל קצוות הקשת הפוליטית ספדו לו. הנה נפתלי בנט ואיילת שקד מהבית היהודי ומנגד ציפי לבני מהמחנה הציוני. אני כבר מתגעגע לאחי הבכור, איש של אהבה. איש של הומור, איש של יהדות, איש של ארץ ישראל, היה שלום אורי יקר. איש של אום חבר, והוא מורה דרך, והוא שותף. כי אורי פתח את הבית היהודי לפריימריז, והוא שכנע את נפתלי להצטרף, הם שכנעו ביחד אותי. וכל הקונספט הזה... אוף מוזר, אני מוכרחה לומר, בפוליטיקה הישראלית, קשה לי אפילו לקרוא לו פוליטיקאי, אבל לפחות את הוויכוח היה מנהל בצורה חדה, אמיתית, וכולנו נחסר אותו. אברי גלעד הגיש לצד אורבך את המילה האחרונה כאן בגלי צה"ל. מה שיש לי להגיד זה אוף. אוף. אם היית שואלת אותי מי מבין אנשי המילה ילך ראשון, אז אורי לא היה אופציה. היה בו משהו קוד צנוע וקור מתמיד בללכת בדרך, שנראה ש... הוא אמור לסיים את חייו בגיל 90, עדיין מתמרמר לו פה ושם על משהו, אבל הוא תמיד אמר שהוא פקיד של דעות. הוא לא עשה מעצמו עניין, הוא לא היה סלב. בגל"צ נעביר בשידור חי את טקס ההלוויה שיערך בארבע וחצי בבית העלמין במודיעין.
הפסקת האש באוקראינה קורסת. כתבתנו עופרי אשל. צבא אוקראינה הודיע כי הוא מסרב להשיג את התחמושת הכבדה ממזרח אוקראינה, בניגוד למה שנקבע בהסכם הפסקת האש מסוף השבוע. לדברי הצבא, משעות הבוקר מפציצים הכוחות הפרו-רוסיים את מחוז דונייצק. ב-48 השעות האחרונות דיווחו גם הבדלנים, כי קייב מפרה את ההסכם. נשיא אוקראינה פורשנקו הודיע בסוף השבוע כי במידה והפסקת האש תקרוס, יכריז על שלטון צבאי בכל אוקראינה. המשק זינק בלמעלה משבעה אחוזים ברבעון האחרון של 2014, כתבתנו יונה לייבזון. ברבעון האחרון של השנה שעברה זינק המשק בשבעה אחוזים ושתי עשיריות האחוז, לאחר צמיחה נמוכה במיוחד ברבעון הקודם לו של שש עשיריות האחוז בלבד, בשל השלכות מבצע צוק איתן. במחצית השנייה צמח המשק בחישוב שנתי בשני אחוזים ושש עשיריות האחוז. ההוצאה על צריכת מוצרים בני קיימא זינקה. הרכישה של המקררים, מכונות הכביסה והמזגנים עלתה בעשרות אחוזים. מזג האוויר, ירידה נוספת בטמפרטורות, גם מחר צפוי גשם מקומי קל. אלה החדשות שעורך אילי לוין.
J.M. in the A.M., you know who that is, the one and only Avram, that's Avram Freed here on A.J.M. in the A.M. Monday morning, it's a legal holiday here in the U.S., it is President's Day, thanks for tuning in from anywhere you uh, might be around the world, if you're in this area, five degrees with a wind chill of minus seven, how great is that, huh? Uh, opened up the hour with uh, Ari Goldwag and Mina Meitzar. News from Israel dominated by the news of Uri Orbach's passing. His funeral at 4.30 Israel time this afternoon in uh, Modi'in. He'll certainly be missed. And the uh, Mayor Weingarten will spend some of the time during the Israel show today discussing his life and his contribution to Israel. In addition, between 9 and 10 this morning, right after JM and the AM, Mayor Weingarten on the Israel Show will discuss the Israeli election countdown with the latest news a month before the elections. How European countries and U.S. Jews are trying to influence the Israeli elections and bring down Prime Minister Netanyahu. As part of the Israeli music mix, the Israel Show will introduce new songs popular in Israel by Rami Kleinstein, Hatikva 6, and others. Tune in right after JM in the AM. Starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream. And uh, don't forget to like The Israel Show Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to thank Matis Weingast in light of what happened in Denmark on uh, Shabbos and Saturday night. He spent time yesterday during the JM Sunday programming interviewing a community leader a Jewish community leader from Denmark, and the Chabad rabbi, Rabbi Lowenthal, from Denmark. Those interviews are um, part of the JM Sunday program from yesterday, which you get access, of course, in the archive section of the Nachum Siegel Network app and online at nachumsiegel.com. And uh, this was quite an episode the murder of a man in front of the shul during a bat mitzvah celebration in Denmark, uh, who was essentially guarding, keeping watch, protecting the shul, ends up getting killed uh, because uh, the terrorist who attacked earlier in the day at a different location, at a cafe, had targeted this synagogue and whoever was standing there in front of it to be murdered on Saturday night. And some of the news sources, including the New York Times, did not make that clear, that the synagogue was targeted, in fact, and that the terrorist was going uh, directly for somebody who was uh, part of that bat mitzvah celebration, part of that the synagogue gathering. But let's make it clear, that was, of course, the intention. Uh, Danish authorities, I believe, have taken out the terrorist at this point. Um, Matis spoke both with the community leader and with the Chabad rabbi in Denmark yesterday during JM Sunday. You can check that out online, as we said, and I thank him for doing that. Sorry about that. And I thank him for doing that. JM in the AM on a Monday morning with 5 degrees, mostly sunny, and a high temperature of 23. That doesn't sound so bad once you're talking about 5 degrees. Uh, tonight, snow late with a low of 16. Tomorrow, a snow shower in the morning with a high temperature, 27 degrees. We're at 52 in Yerushalayim with rain, 5 degrees here in Jersey City at JM in the AM. Uh, Stephen Miller is going to join us from Israel. He's responsible for the most recent poll that was uh, uh, published by Times of Israel, which discusses the 
Israeli-Jewish attitude toward President Obama and Iran and the American-Jewish attitude toward President Obama and Iran. He'll join us a few minutes from now right here at JMNAM. In hour number three, a special guest as we talk about the big Deershoe celebration that's happening in uh, Israel next month. We'll actually get a taste of what happens on a daily basis in the Deershoe Dafiomi Bahalacha program. That'll be coming up in the 8 o'clock hour this morning right here at JMNAM. Very much looking forward to that if you're into... If you're into the uh, procedural matters of this time of year, especially as it relates to the holiday of Purim, then you will find this morning's conversation fascinating. Want to wish a mazel tov to the honorees at the Benoz Beis Yaakov of Farakaway dinner that's happening tonight at the Sands in Atlantic Beach. And the uh, honorees include our wonderful friend Mel Zachter. Uh, mazal tov to Mel, mazal tov to uh, Samuel Bergman, Maish Hirth, Mr. and Mrs. Shapsi Fuchs, Rabbi Mrs. Moshe Bender. Uh, Mr. Jason Curry and Mr. Joel Barretts, Dr. Akiva Bergman, all honorees tonight at the Menos Beisiaco Farakoi dinner happening at the Sands in Atlantic Beach. We say mazal tov from all of us here at the JM in the AM. The big dinner happening tonight. Reminder for our mothers of multiples friends, and I hope that all the moms who are mothers of multiples take advantage of all the events that Neshe cares presents with the Mothers of Multiple Support Group, uh, they have a, they are having a Pampering the Mother of Multiples evening with Rifki Alpha, a beauty consultant. Tomorrow night, starting at 8 p.m., come and enjoy this uh, beauty encounter. The first 30 attendees will be entered in a drawing for a complimentary makeover. Everyone will be entered in a drawing for a gift. There will be a hands-on presentation of beauty tips and makeup application. Cosmetics will be for sale at a discount. There will be a light buffet that will be served. There's free parking. Mothers of multiples, come on out. Even if it's a drop cold, it is worth it. It's such a great group. Um, tomorrow night, 8 p.m. at Maimonides Hall, 950 49th Street, between 9th and 10th Avenues in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Mrs. Mati Atlas is the coordinator. For information, it's Mati, M-A-T-T-I dot Atlas at Yahoo.com. It's M-A-T-T-I dot Atlas at Yahoo.com. Speak with Mati and uh, come tomorrow night. Should be a lot of fun there. Events always are. If you're a mother of multiples, take advantage of the offer to come together and be beautified <laughs> uh, tomorrow night in the Brooklyn, New York. Like I say, always a lot of fun, always a great gathering. And for the uh, mothers of multiples, you can ask any of them who've attended their events. It's a wonderful support group, a great opportunity to get together, share ideas, and uh, and hear wonderful things from great presenters. In this case, a presentation on pampering oneself. 22 minutes after 7 o'clock, it's JM in the AM. We are celebrating a major mazel tov here at JM in the AM. Ellie Weingast and Ariel um, uh, Engelmeyer are a recently engaged couple. So we say mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Want to give a special shout out to Livingston, New Jersey. Yesterday I had the privilege of addressing uh, the Suburban Torah Center congregation on the subject of prayer. Now, this is a rough morning, weather-wise, to make a commitment to get to shul early in the morning. Maybe because it's a legal holiday, they'll make it easier on people. Uh, but I hope that uh, I was able to, e- even though I'm in a position where I don't always get an opportunity to uh, to uh, daven with a minion on a daily basis, I hope that uh, those who were there yesterday uh, felt inspired enough to add some uh, daily minion uh, time to their schedule. Uh, we had a wonderful uh, get-together yesterday on the subject of prayer. A big thank you to Rabbi Michelle, 
uh, Rabbi Cassinets, to everybody at the Suburban Torah Center in Livingston, New Jersey. We really had a uh, a wonderful time out there, and uh, hopefully had uh, some positive um, some positive words that uh, pierced the heart for those who were in attendance. It was really a privilege to address the distinguished gathering. It's JM in the AM on a Monday, President's Day with Leif Tahar. <laughs> Come on. 
J.M. and the A.M. Yossi Green with me, Adir, and Simon Tova Mazel Tov. As we continue to wish a Simon Tova Mazel Tov to the Weingast and Engelmeyer families and the big engagement of Ellie and Ariel for this uh, past Saturday night. I uh, want to wish a Mazel Tov. Many of you heard it on J.M. Sunday yesterday, of course, with Matis. And I also want to thank Matis for concentrating so much on what happened in Denmark yesterday during J.M. Sunday. You heard about the attack Saturday night at the Bat Mitzvah. Uh, at the synagogue in Denmark, and Damatis had both a community leader of the Jewish community in Denmark and the Chabad leader of the Jewish community in Denmark to address everybody yesterday morning on JM Sunday. As uh, we see at another episode, where not every single media outlet outlines it, but where we clearly see uh, that a uh, terrorist attack occurred at a place uh, that was specifically a Jewish target in an attempt to kill Jews. And unfortunately, in this case... Uh, one person was killed in that attack Saturday night in Denmark. 7.30 in the morning, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. We find an interesting Rambam in Hilchus Malachim. There it says, Whoever does not believe in the redemption, or wait for Mashiach's coming, not only is he denying faith in what the prophets say, but also in the Torah itself and in Moshe Rabbeinu. 
Rabbi Chesko Levenstein used to say in the name of the Briska Rav, the one who doesn't wait, and he would explain the great obligation that we have to understand what it is that we are missing with the absence of the Beis HaMikdosh and the Geula. A Jew who is a very influential person asked someone in Israel to send him a small stone from the Kosel. His wife was ill, and he wanted to put it underneath her pillow as he heard that it was a great skula. Understanding that this individual was prominent, the person immediately fulfilled his request. The stone was placed beneath her head. However, eventually she passed on. The Yid was terrified because he understood that it was Mina Shemaim. You don't take stones out of the holy wall. They went to the great Rebbe Yashav. He told them that first he has to get the stone back to Eretz Yisrael and replace it in the Kosel. However, surprisingly, Rebbe Yashav asked that a kapara for this yid should be arranged by having a Sefer Torah written and he should give it to a place that does not have a Sefer Torah. This is amazing. We would think that the person should say a little Tehillim or give $18, chai tzedaka. He just took a souvenir from the Kosel. But Rav Yoshev understood that the person did not comprehend the gravity of his transgression, of taking from the Kosel, of the holiness of Eretz Yisrael, like we don't understand the magnitude of the Chorban Beis HaMikdosh. There are two reasons why we don't understand what is missing from our lives with the absence of the Beis HaMikdosh. We never saw the Beis HaMikdosh. If we would have lived in the Tkuf of the Tanoim, in the time of the Chorban of the Destruction, we would have seen the effect of the loss of the Beis HaMikdosh. The Prushim began not to eat meat, not to drink wine, but the Chachomim were never Gozer Gezera. They never placed such a decree upon the Tzibor because they were afraid that perhaps the community would find it too difficult to fulfill. The second reason is because we consider that even if we do understand that the Beis HaMikdosh is a great Indian, we perceive it as a hider, an added quality. Even if we don't have Karbonos, we can still serve Hashem in other ways. We see how important it is to be a Mitzapel Yeshua, to wait and too long for the future redemption. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, Bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. JM in the AM Monday. Many of you have uh, heard about and read about the most recent poll in Israel. It's a Times of Israel 2015 election poll that asked 824 Israeli adults who indicated they were very likely or somewhat likely to vote in the upcoming Knesset elections. They asked them whether they trust the United States president, President Obama, to ensure Iran not get the bomb. An overwhelming 72% of those in that category, in fact, do not trust the United States president that Iran will not get the bomb. Uh, with us live via telephone is Stephen Miller, 202 Strategies. It's his company that conducted the poll for Times of Israel. It's been cited all over the place. He joins us live via telephone from Israel. Stephen Miller, welcome back to JM in the AM. 
Nachum, good to be with you and your listeners. Thank you. I appreciate that. A lot of people are cynical when it comes to polling in Israel about its accuracy, about the desire of a typical Israeli to tell the truth at the polls. I'm not talking about the polls where they actually vote, but polls like you conducted. What could you tell us about your feelings about how accurate this is that 72% do not trust the United States president in terms of Iran not getting the bomb? Uh, we stand by the methodology. In fact, uh, a healthy dose of uh, skepticism is warranted uh, on most polling done in Israel, uh, which typically only ask adults, not likely voters, only in Hebrew, only landline phones. What we did was we did multi-methodology, meaning we called cell phones, we called landline, landlines, and we even asked people via online uh, panels. So we have a good mix of methodology. We asked some of our respondents in the Russian language, some of the respondents, about 10% in Arabic, um, and, of course, about 80% uh, in Hebrew. So we stand very strongly behind the methodology that this is an accurate reputation, uh, representation. And the truth is is that, Nahum, these numbers have not changed too much since um, uh, since the, a year ago when we asked similar question. A year ago, 64 respondents, 64% of Israeli voters said they did not trust U.S. Uh, President Obama uh, to ensure that Iran uh, achieved a nuclear weapon, not achieve, excuse me, a nuclear weapon. And um, and, and that's jumped up to 72%, which makes sense following uh, the news and, and, and what's been going on over the past year. So we, so we do stand by the numbers, uh, as shocking as they might seem. The election is one month away. Uh, these numbers are to whose advantage, if anybody's advantage, in the election process? Sure. Well, the truth is, you know, we ask voters uh, about the issues. What are the most important issues to them? And only uh, 10% of voters say the Iranian threat is the most important issue. Uh, almost 50% of voters say, by and far, it is economic issues such as cost of living, price of housing. So the um, the Iranian issue, uh, as much as the international uh, media uh, puts emphasis on it is not something that's on the top of the mind of the voters here in Israel. Uh, so despite a lack of faith uh, b- amongst the Israeli voters in President Obama, um, it's, uh, it's not a, a top issue here for voters. You know, uh, more of an observation question than a numbers question, but the perception in the, in the United States, I think if you'd ask most most followers of Israeli news, is that the prime minister is running on Iran, that that's his issue. If I was living in Israel, would I feel a lot different about how the Netanyahu campaign is being run? Sure, you would absolutely say he's running on Iran, he's running on security issues. In fact, just Saturday night uh, at the um, uh, the big news show, he released a new campaign ad that featured uh, IS fighters um uh, coming into Israel, uh, as, in essence, saying that um, we're not safe under a left-wing government. Uh, so he's running on those issues. I think it's a, I understand why, because you see in the numbers, in the polling, that he is head and shoulders above the rest as far as security issues and experience um, on those issues. Uh, but it is a dangerous campaign strategy because it is not, the most important issue. In fact, many voters say that the economic issues today are more important than the security issues. Uh, so you're right that that is uh, what he's running on. 
but it is a gamble, and we'll see how it pays off. Uh, Stephen Miller is with us, 202 Strategies. Uh, he conducted this poll for Times of Israel that everyone seems to be talking about and reporting on. Israeli voters, according to your poll, gave President Obama a 33% favorable rating. Is that higher than usual? Um, you know, it's actually... Um, now, you know, his 33% favorable rating is the same as when we tested it exactly one year ago. Hmm. But what I would point out to you and your listeners is that his unfavorable, the negative, the percent of people giving him a negative rating jumped from 50% to 59%. So while the amount of people in Israel, these voters, uh, that give him a, a favorable view has stayed stagnant, we have seen a rise in the negative. And so there's a, there's a broad consensus Israeli voters have a negative perception uh, on President Obama, and in general, uh, in general, Israel's politicians, the you know the government leaders, at least those who are at the forefront in this election campaign, nobody really seems to have gotten an excessively high favorable rating. Would you say that it's essentially neck and neck when it comes to favorability right now among the candidates? Yeah, what we've seen is that um, uh, a general distaste towards politics. Many Israelis, uh, when you discuss these elections with them, they think they were called too soon, that this government shouldn't have fallen, um, and they're disappointed um, broadly with politicians and with the political system for, for taking us into, um, into elections right now. So we did see a drop across the board on favorability. The only politician in our poll who came in with a, uh, with a higher positive rating than negative uh, was Moshe Kachlan, who's running as a new outside candidate from an outside party, uh, a new party under the name Kulani. So uh, it would make sense that only the new guy gets a positive rating, uh, while everyone else gets a, a broadly negative. But I would point out that um, President Obama uh, is, is basically out there with Avigdor Lieberman, our foreign minister, mired in a corruption scandal, and Sippy Libni, who's gone from all the way on the right to the Likud to Labor on the left, uh, the three of them are the most disliked um, and distrusted uh, of political uh, forces uh, here in Israel. Stephen Miller is with us. He conducted the poll for Times of Israel. Um, if I were to poll, or if you went ahead and did so, or if you've observed others who may have done so, if I'd poll American Jews on this big issue, on the headline of your poll about trusting President Obama and how he deals with Iran and whether, if in fact, he's dealing properly with the uh, uh, possibility of Iran getting a nuclear bomb. So we know what the uh, answer was among Israeli society, 72% uh, overwhelmingly uh, do not like the way and don't trust the way the United States president is dealing with it. What about American Jews? How would American Jews poll if we ask them if they trust the president on this issue? Sure. Well, in, in, you know, there's been some polling out there, but I would, I would uh, advise your listeners to take a, a step back and understand that when you're polling political figures and, and parties, um, you know, when you have large demographics that vote for one specific party or another, um, then that has a great sway on, uh, on all the smaller issues that may come within that. What I mean is that by, because the vast majority of American Jews do vote Democrat and did vote for this president, that when you step down into a smaller resolution on specific issues, it is within that prism uh, that they see it. So I still think you get a majority of American Jews um, who do support the president and support the president on this issue, um, wow. although you might see specifically because it's an Israel-related issue, 
you might see some of that support wane. You know what was one of the most interesting things about your poll? When you asked who's trusted to safeguard ties with the United States, Netanyahu got first place. It was the 31%, but he got, he got the highest of everybody that was, uh, you know, asked about in that, in that polling question. And it's funny as we watch what many are calling a deterioration because of the whole speech controversy that's going on and whether Netanyahu will cancel the speech or not. It's interesting that he still, uh, gets the highest rating in terms of who could safeguard ties with the U.S. Sure. And, and just to put that, to strengthen your point, to put that number in perspective, uh, 31% of, of the voters in Israel is 40 out of 120 seats in the Knesset. Right. Now, our polling doesn't put Netanyahu uh, far past half of that, which means that there are far more voters, um, there are many, many voters that don't vote for him, but that still say that he uh, is most trusted to, uh, to safeguard the U.S.'s relationship. About a third say Netanyahu. And that's, again, the, the right and the center right. About a third say Herzog, and that's the left and the center left. And about a third, mostly in the center, who, who don't know or give, give a smaller uh, party uh, their choice. So uh, this issue is becoming more and more at the forefront of, of the media and the conversation here in Israel. And I, I imagine we'll continue through to the, to the prime minister's speech. Um, we've yet to see if this is an issue uh, as far as the U.S.-Israel relationship. If it's something that helps or hurts him. Uh, can you tell us or can you guess whether the majority of Israelis would prefer that he cancel the speech? There's no way of knowing that right now. Uh, there's two prisms with which to look the speech, and, and, it de- and it depends on the prism. In the concept, uh, or sort of in the frame of um, BB versus Obama, uh, BB wins. Um, um, Israelis uh, across the board have a negative sentiment towards Obama, but, but ideologically, if you divide the map, it is the, the, the center and the right that have very strong um, negative feelings towards President Obama. And on the left, there's, there's positive feelings. Now, Netanyahu's not going after the far-left vote. So amongst the circle of his potential voters, voters, there's a very strong negative sentiment towards Obama. So if this is a fight between Bibi and Obama, um, because of how Obama is perceived, um, that is a fight that Netanyahu wins. If it's about... Um, uh, Iran or the U.S.-Israel relationship, it becomes a little murky. It's not a clear-cut win. It's about Iran when the voters want to hear him talk about the economy, the dangerous gamble, as I said earlier. Sure. It's about the U.S.-Israel relationship. Um, well, about a third say he's most trusted on it, but also another third are undecided, another third say Herzog, more or less. So it's, it's less of a, a slam dunk. Um, so you will likely see um, the the right uh, here in Israel focus on Iran and the security and the Obama Bibi aspect of it, while you'll see the center and the left and potentially international outlets try to make this more about the U.S. Israel relationship. Uh, we will see the the final prison, the final frame, the the context with which this speech happens will very much decide how it's perceived. Less and so. Uh, probably than what is actually said. Stephen Miller is with us, 202 Strategies. He conducted the poll for Times of Israel. You can go to the Times of Israel website and read all about it. Finally, Stephen, uh, are you going to spend any time over the next month uh, releasing data in terms of how many mandates are expected per party? Do you do that on a daily or weekly basis, or that's a game you don't play? 
We have we we actually just put up on the Times of Israel one. You know, first of all, you're right; it's a dangerous game, <laughs> as, uh, as you know. Israeli politics, uh, you know, a poll is a snapshot in time. Israeli politics change is very fluid. But we did just put up some numbers, and I'll send you a link as well, Nachum. In essence, what we said was there's about 24 percent, uh, about one out of four voters who are undecided. Call it 29.30 seats out of the 120 that are undecided. Sounds like a lot. It is a lot, you're right. It is less than what our poll found in the last election, where we actually found that almost one out of three voters were undecided, and then many of them were those last-minute votes towards the HRT, the Olapid's party. What we see in the current numbers is that these voters are undecided, and they are largely um, uh, center, center-left, center-right, but they're center-focused, and they are undecided because they are so disappointed in Netanyahu. And the question will be, if they see an alternative, then they will move from undecided towards the Zionist Union, which we actually predict will happen. But if the Zionist Union campaign can't get off the ground like it needs to, uh, to do that, then those undecided are going to look and say, there is no alternative, I'm going to stick with Bibi. And he'll pull out a small win. I'll remind you and your listeners that uh, today, in the Knesset of Israel, there are 18 seats uh, for Likud. He has been a, a minority leader uh, in his government with only 18 seats out of the 120. So right. he could still not get the most number of seats. Likud could get less than the Zionist Union, the uh, Herzog and Nivni together, but he could still get more than he currently has, 21, 22, 23, 24 seats, and still have the ability to put together a government and the winning coalition. So this is going to be a fascinating race uh, to watch, and Election Day is just a month away. But then even after that, we have to see who can put together the coalition. Any data that you release will be available on the Times of Israel website? Correct. And a lot of people saying some really uh, wonderful things about Uri Arbach. He just passed away, as we know, a few hours ago. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I, guess you're, I guess you're watching a lot of very positive comments about somebody who was beloved by so many in the country and obviously was involved in the world of politics, which is not always the most warm environment, but a lot of people have some really nice things to say in his passing. He, um, he was a man who, who went against um, many of the assumptions that we have. He was a politician uh, who did not represent a small sector, but in fact spoke to a broad sector of, his, of the Israeli public, unlike many of the politicians. Um, as, a, as a writer, um, a commentator, philosopher on issues of, uh, of Judaism, and as a religious man, he spoke to uh, a broad, uh, broad uh, spectrum of Israeli Jews, um, yeah. even from those of the most secular to those of the most religious. He was a man who spoke to the people of Israel together in a really beautiful way, and certainly uh, we will miss him greatly. No question about it. His funeral at 4.30 this afternoon in Modi in Israel. Stephen Miller, this is your time of year. I don't know if most Israelis are happy about there being another election, but uh, you must be thrilled that you're one month away. <laughs> you know, the elections aren't always good for the country, but they're a lot of fun for me. <laughs> I can only imagine. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Take care. Thanks so much, Nathan. Stephen Miller, 202 Strategies. He conducts the polls that the Times of Israel are always uh, printing and publicizing, and this one really made a splash with the 72% saying that they do not trust the United States president to ensure that Iran not get the bomb. 
And uh, you heard what else he had to say about the election in general. We're one month away. Hard to believe. It's JM and the AM at nine minutes before eight o'clock. Reminder, the Israel show with Mayor Weingarten will take a close look at the life of Uri Orbach, who we said is uh, being laid to rest uh, this afternoon in Israel and is certainly going to be missed. And uh, in addition to that, uh, Mayor is going to uh, present an Israeli election countdown with the latest news one month before the election. So he'll speak about how European countries and the United States Jews are trying to influence the Israeli elections and bring down the Prime Minister. And, of course, an Israeli music mix introducing brand-new songs popular in Israel by Rami Kleinstein, Hatikva 6, and others. Uh, is it Hatikva 6? Is that it? Tune in right after JM and the AM, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on our stream at jmandtheam.org. And like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. President's Day morning on a February 16th, the 27th of Shvat, with five degrees outside at JM and the AM.
Say I'm a boy. 
JM and the AM, Sandy Shmueli with Chazak Chazak off the Kitov CD. Simcha Liner had Shomer Yisrael. Minute after 8 o'clock at America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmdm.org. Couple of things. First of all, Mazel Tov again going out to the Weingast and Engelmeyer families. We got a big JM in the AM Mazel Tov. And like I always say, it's wonderful, even more wonderful. When you know so, uh, when you know both families and you know them for as long as we do. Mazel Tov to uh, Karen and Matis. The wine guests are celebrating Mazel Tov to uh, Debbie and Judah. The Engelmeyers are celebrating Mazel Tov going out to Ellie and Ariel. They are a recently engaged couple this past Saturday night. We say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Um, had a wonderful time Saturday night at the Young Israel of Vatinek dinner. Mazal Tov again to Rochelle and Mark Zamek, our very own, from right here at JM and the AM. Want to wish a Mazal Tov to the Kreinberg and Horn families. Rifki Kreinberg and Ari Horn married last night. I had the uh, privilege of being part of the opening, uh, the opening set of the big celebration during the reception with the Aaron Teitelbaum Orchestra and with Shlemy Daskal and Benny Friedman and just an amazing time. Uh, main event caterers, of course, who were incredible. And um, we just had a wonderful time there last night to the Kreinberg and Horn families, to Rifki Kreinberg and Ari Horn, Mazal Tov, and the big wedding from all of us here at JM and the AM. Um, want to take this opportunity to say good morning to my friends in Livingston, New Jersey. I had the privilege yesterday morning to address the Suburban Tourist Center congregation on the subject of prayer. And... Um, not easy to get up for prayer this morning with five degrees outside, but hopefully we inspired everybody uh, to the point where they are, uh, where their prayer is uh, is uh, somewhat more enhanced after our discussion yesterday. So a big shout out to Rabbi Michelle and everybody in Livingston, New Jersey. We had a wonderful time there yesterday morning. Beautiful synagogue, really, just a beautiful synagogue there in Livingston. It was great being part of their Sunday morning get-together. It's JM and the AM on this President's Day, a President's Day Monday with Shlaimi Kaufman.
J.M. in the A.M. with Shua Kesson. Rafur Shlema. Rifa Enu from the CD entitled Lola Hitya Eish. Before that, Shlemy Kaufman here at JM and the AM. Monday morning, we have been speaking a lot on this program about the big deer shoe celebration that's going to be happening next month in Yerushalayim and many other places uh, around the globe. And uh, the reason is because uh, the uh, cycle, the seven-year cycle of Dafyomi Bahalacha, is coming to its conclusion, and that happens next month. And we've been encouraging people, and I, and I am told that our encouragement has actually resulted in people taking it upon themselves to either attend the shir or get the daily email or join in on their own in terms of Dafyomi Ba'alacha, and that is really heartwarming. Uh, you can contact Deershu. They're in charge of the whole project, 8885-DEERSHU, 8885-DEERSHU. One of the things I wanted to do was explore... Uh, the entire concept of Dafyomi Bahalacha with somebody who, uh, takes it upon himself to deliver a shear of Dafyomi Bahalacha on a daily basis. And we have in our studio Rabbi Gabi Freed. Rabbi Freed is from Staten Island. Every day, Sunday through Thursday at 9.15 at night. He's at Kehilas Aguda Shomre Adas, or Ipalak Shul in, uh, in Staten Island. And he delivers a 45 minute shear about Dafyomi Bahalacha. And now, this time of year, ironically enough, which is the time of year that we are in the middle of the uh, Dalit Parshios, the four special Parshios, and getting ready for Adar, which begins, I guess, officially Thursday night, right? The second day of Chodesh is Thursday night. And uh, as we get ready for the holiday of Purim, they are actually in those very topics, the topics of the Dalit Parshios, Adar, and Hilchos Purim. Rabbi Gabi Freed, it's a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Thank you so much for having us. Good morning, everybody. How does one become a Dafyomi Bahalacha Magid Shir? That's a story on, uh, of its own. Um, actually, I was proctoring a Dershu Dafyomi site when they broached the subject of Dafyomi Bahalacha Shir. And um, Rabbi Rosenbaum called me, and we spoke to Rabbi Gabiov. And uh, you got to be in the right place at the right time. <laughs> and uh, the rest is up to Akash Baruch. Does the Daf Yomi Bahalacha Shir attract a large crowd? Uh, large is relative. Right. Uh, it depends on the community, the Magad Shir, the place. Uh, we, thank God, have approximately 25 regulars, of which 10 to 15 usually come on a nightly basis. Well, that must be... Speaking of heartwarming, that must be amazing for it you. Amazing. That, that sounds like a great crowd. Very, very loyal, very dedicated. I imagine that. Wow. Um, we, we've been stressing how now, in February of, uh, of 2015, a month before the big celebration, we are in the Dafiomi Bahalacha system studying the Dalit Parshios. We are in Hilchus Megillah. Right, right. Hilchus Megillah. It's definitely a lot easier to make things relevant. Right. Uh, so I was curious, is, is that something that, that happens often in the seven-year cycle or rarely in the seven-year well, cycle? Well, the truth is anyone who wants to join now, it's a great time. Uh, you have, we're doing Hilchus Purim now. Right. Uh, Chelek Aleph, Bays and Gimel 
are all relevant on a daily and weekly basis. Good point. We're dealing with the laws of daily living, right. uh, the laws of Hilchas Brochus, and the laws of Shabbos. Uh, by the time we get to Chelek Dalit, uh, if those, you know, people, I guarantee you, anybody who tries this for a month will be hooked. They're not going to drop it when we get to Chelek Dalit. <laughs> Correct. We don't know if you want to start with Chelek Dalit, but this is a perfect had, place to we start. We had people that did. You did have people start Chelek with Dalit. Dalit is an amazing Chelek, as um, there are many pertinent halachas that people are not familiar with. It always seems to be the most neat and unopened of the uh, of the six halakas. That you know is I mean? true, and I always want to know why Hilchas Rishchaydish was in the back right. has to suffer. Right. And, um, but there are so many. We had, we had such a good time, and we learned so much from Chelak Dalit that uh, there are some shilas that people just, uh, for example, if one's yarmulke blows on top of a car, right. which is very common in this weather, right. and uh, can you take it off the top of the car? Car, and it's Shabbos, just to explain, it's Shabbos, correct. right? Uh, a car which is more than 10 tefachim tall, right. more than, uh, which is approximately 30 to 40 inches, uh, it's more than 4 tefachim by 4 tefachim wide, it's a Rishasah If you're in, in an area without an Eruv, one may not just simply remove the yarmulke from the top of the so car. So the top of a car is a Rishasah a correct. private domain. Correct. Its own private domain. Correct. And there's a Talk simple, about the fact that I've already learned something this morning. Simple, straightforward practical, and if those that don't learn the Dafshayim Ba'alacha, those that don't have a serious halacha seder, never open the Chelek Dalad, are probably not going to be aware of that. Can you give us a, uh, a little hint about what to do the next time a uh, well, keep, keep us on the roof of a car? If it's not your neighbor's Lamborghini, you might yeah. want to climb on top of it. That as opposed to reaching up for as it. As we'll just take it off. You also might want to wait for the next, next gust of wind to get it back into Rosh Hashanah, wow. to a public domain. Oh, boy. I, I don't know if I want to have a guest like you here. I may find that thing. However, so I always tell those that come to my shear, yeah. for every stringency, we always give a leniency. Oh. And that a, the job of a Pesach is not only to paskan halacha, right. but to provide solutions. And therefore, we're not, we're looking for the truth. We're looking for what Hashem wants us to be doing. And nobody has ever, though there, there was the wife that uh, approached me once, thanked me for the shear, Told me how her husband enjoys it. It's amazing. But said, you know, Rabbi, some of those things are really hard. <laughs> exactly. I said, like what? She said, the laundry on Cholomoy, that was a tough one. I should have given her a bracha that she should be wealthy enough to have enough clothing to get through Cholomoy without, without even thinking of washing it. See? Oh, boy. Now we're really talking about topics I want to avoid. I, I would probably not ask about the laundry on Cholomoy. It just depends on the fact that if it's really necessary, I would guess there is a... Um, there's a point where it's where it's possible uh, to do it, right? Again, we're not we're not here to stress right. the stringencies, <laughs> but ignorance, I'm afraid, is not uh, an excuse in the eyes of Akash Baruch Correct. You have if to know one the could know, you have to know the subject. But we should point out again for those panicking that there are ways to. Uh, there are many, many. There's right. almost always a solution right. to every halachic issue. And uh, you could almost, again, part of being a Pesach is not only knowing the halacha, but knowing the practical solution to issues. All right. Rabbi Gabi Fried is here. A, 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 a majority of some of your shiurim must, at times, focus on these individual questions. I mean, there must be times so, where, you're, where you're spending, you know, the bulk of a shir just examining So one, one of the things questions. we realized, and I never... I never um, uh, broke down the shir this way before I came on to this interview. Right. The average... Sheer, which is why it's so easy and so wonderful to join this program. You're dealing with usually between five and ten lines of Shulchan Aruch, between five and fifteen notes, comments of the Mishnah Bura. And if you're going to a Sheer, you could, you could do the Dafyayim Balacha in a half hour. 
The reason why our shear takes usually about 45 minutes, not usually, always. Right. 9.15, there's a matter of, excuse me, 9, there's a matter of, and 10, there's a matter of. We're not going over time. <laughs> is to, you very quickly get from the basics of halacha to the practical and the relevant. Right, yeah, I understand that. Um, what is the advantage of being, and again, you have a nice crowd, so you could address this question, of being at a shear on a daily basis as opposed to, I don't know, reading the emails, doing it on your own. You have a special Mr. Burr that your so, show has published just for this purpose. I so, encourage everybody to join however they can join. Right. However, uh, joining a shear, those that follow Dafyami will appreciate this as well. Right. Uh, first of all, you have the added responsibility when you're part of a shear. Second of all, you feel you're part of a crowd. Third of all, it's more interesting, it's more engaging. Mm-hmm. And fourth of all, if you have a decent maggot shear, which I hope my <laughs> chevra has, he's doing the preparation, which would take you hours and hours if you tried to do it on your own. That last piece of getting it from the simple translation to the practical, especially with the modern-day applications, definitely takes time and, uh, and effort. And that definitely would be an advantage of joining a shear. And again, we hope that uh, people will give uh, Dershu a hard time to open shear all over. And um, but again, if they're not going to come to a shear, they right. should definitely uh, do it on their own. They can call in, and they'll use one of the other ways of right. uh, of, of participating. Um, it, there's no uh, there is no area of Mishnah in the seven years that does not drift into a lot. Of contemporary issues, correct, or is that not true? Are there are, are there times when you're doing it a lot? And it's other a bit hard to define that. Um, uh-huh. When we started Hilchas Erevin, for example, right? For example, if you're a person who lives in a city with an Erev, and you've never your Tchum, if you live in Muncie, for example, right. your Tchum is probably about thirty miles away from your house. Right. The chances of walking out of your Tchum are are very. They have an Erev. Right. A contiguous area from Muncie to who knows where. Plus there's homes everywhere. Residences uh, Not there. so simple. Oh, it's not you true. You have 70 Amis, which is about 140 feet between homes that might break your, that might start your trum. Wow. But I don't want to get myself into more wow. trouble here. <laughs> now, I'm not sure why we're concentrating on Kelly so much. Because um, nobody else does. <laughs> however, um, we have with, especially with certain advances in technology and society, when it comes to Hilchas Pesach, for example, right. uh, the average housewife is not kashering kalim, is not grinding her own wheat for matzah. Correct. So the truth is that on the one hand, all you have to know before Pesach is go into your local Jewish store, make sure that your matzah has a, a reliable hashkocha and you're right. done. Buy how, plenty of paper goods and don't worry about how, dishes and pots. Or, right, uh, right. How many people are cashiering? However, right. um, first of all, there are many, as we've outlined, there are many situations people are not aware of. Second of all, there is an underlying um, common thread in, mo- in all sugis of shas and halacha. For example, uh, when we were dealing with measuring a trum. So we speak about if there's a disagreement between the experts. Right. How do you measure? Is this right. 2,000 amas? Is it not 2,000 amas? That's applicable on Yom Kippur as well, when you have two doctors that are disagreeing. There are many areas in halacha that overlap, and the challenge of a Magid Shir is to look at the page. And first of all, people enjoy today, we've Baruch Hashem come to a point, people enjoy understanding the underlying concepts, even if it's not perfectly relevant. Right. I always say... To be included in our shear, a topic has to either be relevant or interesting, right. uh, not both. Um, 
we've barks and reached the point where people appreciate Torah learning. And, um, but even so, you can almost always look at a page of Mishnah Bura and find a connection, an application that people can apply to their, to their daily, weekly lives. All right. And as you point out, conceptually, people are, you know, at a level now, thank God, where they appreciate. Anybody that's gone through Daf Yaimi and done Kachim and done Erev and done Yavamas should have no issue <laughs> in anywhere in the sixth Chalakum of Mishnah Bura. Information about the Deershu program at 888-5-Deershu. That's 888-5-Deershu for any information. Now, you said that you had prepared a two-minute shear, a two-minute Torah discourse based on the halachas of the Mishnah Bura just to give us a taste of what it would be like in miniature form to be at a Daf Yomi Bahalacha Shir. Correct. Okay, what is the topic today? The topic today is Hilchus Megillah. Okay. We are in Simon Tafresh Peches, which is on page Kufnun Beis for those that have a Mishnah Bura in front of them. Um, again, this page of Mishnah Bura can be downloaded by those that have the Dirshu email. Wow. It's a simple link. You just click on it and you get both the uh, text of Mishnah Bura and the editions of the Dirshu, the Dirshu ver, um, edition. Nice. We're three lines from the top. In Halacha Aleph, we discussed that there are cities that read the Megillah on the 14th, which is most of us, and then a, a city which has had a wall from the times of Yeshua Benun when Kla Yisrael um, conquered Eretz Yisrael, reads on Shushan Purim on the 15th. Right. So in Sif Beis, on the third line, the Mechaber says, Villages which are seen together with the walled city. That if you're standing in the world city, you can see these cities. Even if they're not close by, if this second city is on the top of a mountain, but it could be seen from the first city. Or they're close by, even though you can't see them. If the second city is in a valley, even though you cannot see it, as long as it's close by to the world city. As long as they are less than a mil, which is 2,000 amas, approximately between 1,500, um, between three and 4,000 feet away, they would lane on, they would read the Megillah on the 15th. That is the total of the Shulchan Aruch we're going to do. Okay. The Mishnah Bura adds two notes. Hakfarim, we said that it's a village. So two cities. So here we jump straight into the practical halacha. If you just read the words of the uh, the of the Shulchan Aruch, you would say it's only if it's an insignificant village. But now that the Mishnah Bura added these words, that it's even if it's a city, so the question is asked, how big of a city? Now, we're not going to get into all the details because we don't have the time. People are welcome to either join the shiurim, call in, etc. Again, on that link, from the if you get the daily Dirshu email, you can click to either listen or to listen live to a oh, share. Oh, right, there's an audio share there, right. Um, however, the question is with regard to Tel Aviv, Yafo, and B'nai Brak, right. where Yafo is a, what is a walled city, except that one side of it is open to the sea, to the Mediterranean. So on the one hand, we have the question, which the Gemara discusses about Tveria, that Yafo is going to have to read on the 14th and 15th, on the 15th without a bracha, because um, there's a question whether you need a wall on all, four, on all four sides, or is the sea enough to be considered a walled city? Does it depend on being protected, or does it depend on being surrounded by a wall? However, now you have Tel Aviv, which, whose city limits hit Yafo. Does the whole Tel Aviv have to also read on the 15th, because they're connected? Right. On this we find a disagreement between the Ram Shik and others that say that, yes, um, I'm sorry, that say that 
It's a question of Iker and Tuffle, primary and secondary. And you can't say that a city like Tel Aviv is going to be secondary to a city like Yafo. On the other hand, there are those, the Hartzvi, they bring from the Sam Seifer and others, that say that no, the significance, that, what gives the city a significance is the fact that it had a wall from so long ago, and therefore Tel Aviv and B'nai Brak may have to read on the 15th. Okay. So again, we see how, so, how quickly we can go from the esoteric to the practical. And just to end off, we said that it has to be close. So here there's a disagreement. We say within 2,000 Amas. If there's a city that can be seen, but it's more than 2,000 Amis away, it would seem from the Shulchan Aruch that it, you do yes read on the 15th. That would mean that any city that can be seen from a distance from a walled city would still read on the 15th. However, um, if it cannot be seen, if it's close, you read. What about a city which the beginning of the city is close, but it extends, such uh-huh. as all of the suburbs of the Iratika? of the old world city, of the old city. So how far do you read on the 15th? Again, we find a disagreement. The Chazanish says it goes as far as it goes, which means that in the near future, they might be reading in Beitar on the 15th. Um, however, the Adaris and Rishul Salant disagree. And again, we're not usually in the Shiurim, unless people have a very specific practical question. We're not going to tell them to change their practice. They should ask their local competent, their competent local Orthodox Rabbi, however, it is very, very clear that there are many, many questions, many shilas that come up, and they're all discussed, and uh, people walk away with a tremendous feeling of accomplishment, and getting, uh, having that ability of gaining practical knowledge in a very, very, in a, in a very compact way. And there, there are responsible rabbis in Tel Aviv and Yafo today who, the, believe, know, these, these who guide disagreements, the com- right, who guide the communities. You know, this, you know, these, these disagreements, we're not, we don't have to get involved with because Correct. Th- these shiles have been asked many times over. And um, as we know, uh, um, th- this question, it's, and, and it's, it's so, many, so many neighborhoods, you don't even have to go to Beitar. There's so many neighborhoods in Northwest Jerusalem. Ramot is a very Correct. Big, Ramot, the, they the, ask about, the, the, I think even Harnof they asked about. The Eda HaCharedis, when they paskined on Ramot, right. they put in a caveat that it's only for now. That now would be on the, on the 15th. On the well, at the point at that, at that point, point it was the 14th, in, in I, it was the 14th <gasps> really? and they, this, I believe, in 1980, 1984. Eventually, they said eventually it's going to change. Right, because it's going to be Greater Yerushalayim, and then regarded as such. Now again, that's according to the Chazanish. Right, the Adaris uh, disagree. Right, and, and, not, and would make it the 15th to begin with. Correct. correct. Right. Would make it the fifteenth to begin with. Again, again, the Chazanish would make it the fifteenth to begin with. Ah, the Chazanish the would make it. Would, the Adaris says it stops exactly two thousand Amis outside of the old city. Right. Uh, Rabbi Gabi Fried is here. He's the Magid Shir in Staten Island for Dafyomi Bahalacha with Dirshu. You can call eight 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 five Dirshu to sign up for the email. Get all the uh, information about becoming part of this amazing daily system. You can also email yourself uh, info at koleldirshu.org. It's koleldirshu k o l l L-E-L-Dirshu.org. That's info at koleldirshu.org. And as we get closer to the big celebration next month, we continue to encourage people to join in and make this part of your daily uh, routine. Um, all right, so some of the questions that you outlined for us in advance, we already covered in this conversation. Uh, we talked about the Tel Aviv Yafo controversy, as you just pointed out. Um, what about people, and, and this is this is something that so many people do, uh, there are people who on the 14th are outside of Yerushalayim, on the 15th they want to be in Yerushalayim, right, and extend their Purim celebration. There is no choice but to hear Megillah four times in that scenario. Am I correct or not? Incorrect. That is incorrect. 
What um, do people do then? <laughs> the, it, you think you this know. is a very, it's a very rare occasion. Yeah. Because the Mishnah Brura, the Ber Halacha, was the Chavetz Chaim. The Mishnah, the Chavetz Chaim tells us that he passed in this question, but he says, please don't rely on me for with regard to making a bracha, uh-huh. because he only explained this question as according to the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch, which is according to Rambam, and he explained it according to Rashi. However, there is a tremendous differ- amount of differing opinions. And the problem is as follows. The Gemara Megillah tells us that one could be a poruz yoimi. You could become a one-day resident right. of a city. Exactly when and how, where's the cutoff? For example, if somebody uh, was planning on staying in Yerushalayim for the 15th, right. but then he changed his mind and left, on the night of the 15th, it, these are all going to be very complicated Meaning questions. Meaning Purim Eve in Yerushalayim. Correct. Right. Uh, Shushan Purim Eve. So right. if, it, if you, you have two choices. If right. you want to play it safe, you would hear the Megillah four times. Right. Each time ensuring that somebody else is making the brachas. Right. And you should be fulfill your obligation right. with him. And so And you would also have to make sure to give Shalach Monas. Matanas Levyanim, etc. And I guess have a Suda as well. Suda I think most people are not going to complain <laughs> about. Um... The other, only other way to do it, I believe, that would be really making sure you don't get into serious issues, would be not to enter Yerushalayim until after daybreak of Tezvav. But once you enter after daybreak of Tezvav? Once, once it was... Because there's no permanence of any type. Correct. You're, you're not, not you're considered not a, a city resident. Correct. Ah, so if you enter 8 a.m. on, Again, on Shushan not, Purim morning, th- you might that, be you Those might that have children exempt. learning in Israel, right. please have them ask them. <laughs> right. But as far as I right. can you might ascertain, be they should be exempt right. in that situation. It is likely that they'll be, have to be so careful how you say things. Uh, all right, then we talk about um, Megillah on Tanis Esther. Is there a time when we actually so read Megillah on Tanis Esther? a very interesting but practical question. If, let's say, there's an IDF unit right. that's heading into Gaza right. before Purim, right. and they're not going to be able to come to a Megillah laning on Purim. The halach is they should hear Megillah, preferably after Yud Aleph, preferably with a minion, without brachas. And if they can't, even from Rishchidosh Adar, they would already listen. However, if they manage to be a, if they could put together a minion on Yud, uh, not a minion, they could get their hands on a Megillah on Yudalit itself, they would read again with right. the brachas. Unbelievable. Um, you just reminded me of something when you, uh, when, when I was saying Kaddish, so I learned something that year, that Adar that I had never known. Uh, one of the minyanim, because you know how it is when you have a job like this, you're bouncing around from so many different types of chakras, is one of the minyanim I went to did not say tachanun on yemei miluim. You know what yemei miluim are? Yemei miluim is any day where it is possible you have to read the Megillah. 11, 12, 13, right? Any, I believe that that's, right? Is that yemei miluim? Any day where, where the Mishnah Describe. Where does the I, I, I don't know where that term you may you may me. I think they from. called it you may me Um Did I, they call it you may me loom? Let me know, folks. If they called I, it that, I am not familiar <laughs> with this concept. Um, I, I don't. I don't well, want to we, speak for, with that. For instance, we don't say tachlun on Purim itself. Yudal Tezvav, nobody says Correct, correct. The Shabura says that erev Purim, erev Purim by Mincha, we don't say tachlun. Correct. 
to take it further than that. Right. So I'm just letting you know that there. I, I believe it was a, a Hasidic minion that any day. I, I'm 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 afraid to say this, but I'm certain people who want to say this, since there's a majority of days that they're not saying tachlan, they don't want to say tachlan at all. Right. Of course. And that is not the proper. I uh, understand. I'm just letting you. Know. I hear it. I'm just letting you know there is a custom <laughs> any day that you could possibly say uh, um, uh, that you could possibly read Megillah. Uh, would not be a day to say tachon. Now that you've mentioned that in the situation you described, one might read Megillah all the way starting Rosh Chodesh Adar, we may have a way to cancel out tachon for the entire month. Just kidding, of course. Rabbi Gabi Freed is here. We're talking about some of the halachas that are being explored at this time in, the, in these weeks of the Dalit Parshos of, uh, of Chodesh Adar and, of course, Hilchas Purim. Uh, you just mentioned Me- Megillah on Tanis Esther, which is very interesting. You actually ask a question on this list that you submitted. If a child with Down syndrome who's over bar mitzvah can read the Megillah for others. Now, this is not just practical, but we, this is done every year. There is uh, an Ari, if you're listening, hello. The Ari who eats ketchup with his ketchup and who's a very good friend of Moe Rifkis. Um This is a, I believe he's a 17-year-old Down syndrome boy. Who knows how to read the Megillah. Who is so into reading the Megillah, he sits in the base medrash and he'll just do it again and again and again. Every word. That uh, one of the uh, members of our kail was so sick and tired of hearing Megillah's Esther <laughs> that he taught him the truck to share Ashirim <laughs> so that he could extend his repertoire. <laughs> However, Ari goes every year in Marlboro and he lanes the Megillah and it's a very inspiring for people imagine. who are not affiliated to see that even a, a boy with such challenges and um, the Rashiva, my Rebbe, he should be gazunt, he should have an Achamir Bruven Feinstein, he uh, paskins that the definition of Godel, of one who has the halachic status right. of, of an adult, bar mitzvah, right? is someone who understands the concept of reward and punishment, somebody who can refrain from doing what's wrong, and therefore a boy over bar mitzvah who is Down syndrome would be allowed to read the Megillah and fulfill, help, you know, to help others fulfill their obligation. However, you do have to be very careful that he's reading each word inside. Right. And, uh, looking, be, uh, looking at looking the words. Looking at the words, right. and you ha- do have to take precautions, but that is the halacha. Unbelievable. All right, we're not going to get to everything or I freeze, so I want to skip a little bit here on our list. Uh, situations where you claim that studying Dafyomi Bahalacha can literally sometimes be a lifesaver. You skipped the word figuratively. You figuratively, I guess it would be obvious if, it, if in fact it could be literal. Uh, you notice on Shabbos morning that the plug is out from your chullen pot, I guess the crock pot, right? And now the shul's kiddish is in jeopardy, Rabbi Freed. <laughs> what would you recommend? So, again, <laughs> we're not uh, specifically paskening any shilas. Right. However, two possible solutions depending on the situation. We know that in order to return something to a fire on Shabbos, there are five conditions. It has to be fully cooked. Right. The item has to be fully cooked. Um, it has to still be warm. Right. It has to be put placed on a covered fire. The last two conditions that you have to have had in mind, that your intention was to put it back on the fire, and the condition that you cannot put it down, are in dire situations, one can, as long as the first three uh, conditions are met, that, so therefore, if there's nothing else hot to eat, for example, if there are those from the Simcha that were relying on this challenge for their hot food on Shabbos, then they would be able to take that challenge and transfer it to a blech right. if it was still warm. With regard to asking a Gentile to put the plug back in, right. just two words of caution. 
um, we try to come up with a slogan, a mantra for each halacha mm-hmm. that we repeat so when people leave the shir, they should come walk away with something. When it came to telling a Gentile to do a malacha on Shabbos, to do work on Shabbos, the rule is if you can't do it, you're not allowed to tell a Gentile to do it. That is an Isidir Abonon with exceptions, but that is the rule. However, that's not one. Secondly, if that shalom, this is a true story that, that happened in Eretz Yisrael, where some boys noticed their plug was out of their shalom on right. Friday night. If the shalom is not edible and a Gentile puts the plug in, not only were they probably, they transgressed a prohibition of Shabbos, but they have to kasher the pot because it's now bishalakum. It was cooked by the guy when he put in the plug. Wow. However, assuming the chant is fully cooked, and they spoke to a competent uh, Rav, right. he may tell them that since it's a rabbinic prohibition to tell the Gentile to do the malacha, and um, uh, pr- according to many, placing that plug back in the wall is a derabbanon, it would be a double derabbanon that in a makkah mitzvah it might be permitted, but again, it, one must consult a proper authority before doing such a thing. Wow. Oh boy, there's so much to know. There's so much to know. Um, I, I have to, I have to speed along here, but, uh, let's go to the question about, uh, about a bracha set on a 64 ounce morning cup of Starbucks or Dunkin' so this, Donuts coffee. This is one of those questions that it's so commonplace and there are simple solutions, but if one is not aware of it. Do you carry a cup of, oh, you don't absolutely. give it early morning share. Um, no, I do not carry a large cup of coffee with me. <laughs> However, we all know about that um, uh, proverbial large cup of coffee that one buys on the way home from Shachris. Correct. He's sipping it while he gets his kids out to shul. Correct. Uh, to to school. school right. Sipping it on his way to work and right. still sipping when he gets to his desk. Correct. The problem is that a broch of shahakal does not transfer from place to place. So when you make a shahakal in one sure place, about this? now we'll we'll see if we could find a solution. If you are, for example, if you're permanent now, if you remain temporary, so the reshiva did paskin for a foreman that's going from work site to work site, right. job site to job site. He's never permanent. So therefore, as long as he remains outdoors, and even if he goes indoors, he's not a there. transient drinker. <laughs> However, when that person comes home and he's getting his kids out to school, if he's on for a half hour, 45 minutes, it's difficult to make the argument that he can continue with the same shahaka when he right. leaves again. Right. And therefore, when he goes from inside back to outside, he would have to make another shahakal. The bracha achreini, one just has to be careful to drink a revius, which is approximately uh, three ounces, at, in, within a shtiyas revius, which is somewhere between one and three seconds. But again, these are these are simple, straightforward halachas that one just has to be aware of. I thought of this, by the way, uh, last week we were at the kosher food and wine experience, going from table to table, th- tasting things. And I honestly, I thought my shahako, assuming that was the bracha for, for all the different items, would suffice. So at then, under one roof, I assume. Right. Under correct. one roof, one, one very room, large room. That right. you'd be fine. Otherwise, right. by every wedding, you'd have a problem. Correct. Every smorgasbord. Wow, finally I got a break. Uh, <laughs> and finally, um, there was another one that uh, that uh, struck my fancy here. Where is it? Um, yeah, you write here about water and salad for Shalach Manos. We don't usually so, give water and salad for Mishalach Manos. So it's an interesting point, and my daughter brought this up. Water, you'll find very often people are more into the presentation of their Shalach Correct. Got to be a fancy halachic, bottle of water. The right. aspect. Right. Yet putting, a, calling it Perrier, or whatever we're going to call right. it, Vas, does not uh, up its status to a type of food. Really? Water cannot be used for Shalach Manus. 
The salad question, and now again, salad can yes be used for shalach manas. The question becomes, is that considered one min? Is that one type right. of food? It's only one salad. One so bracha, therefore, so one should should definitely try to. It's so easy today, you know. Yeah, it's true. so easy. Yeah, to, but it could ruin a good shalach manas, Rabbi. <laughs> you know, I, with the themes, you know, I'm not, that might be kuch nefesh again. So. Unbelievable. Uh, I could do this all day. You may have to come back, or my God, be free. Or my God, be free. And if we can broach this, Nachum. Yes, um, please. Um, as we're working towards the uh, Dir Shusim, right. uh, we, we already think of beyond the Siam. Um, a weekly spot, a monthly spot, oh. uh, to update people where we're holding, what we're doing, the practical shilas. Every one of these shilas can be addressed. We could find their proper way to address Are it. you going to offer as many things as you offer today? Because that may discourage is, us. Nachum, this is your fault. <laughs> There's as many things on the page that are mutter than us. I, I, didn't, I didn't get to choose what I want. The more interesting ones, I guess, are the ones that are restricted. Uh, you can join the Dafiomi Bahalacha in many different methods, whether you're in Staten Island or by Fried Shear and Rabbi Pollock Shul every night, or you can uh, call up Deer Shoe, find out where Shiorim are in your area, and uh, that's 888-5-DEER-SHOE, 888-5-DEER-SHOE, to sign up for the entire program. And, of course, if you want to email or any information about any of this, it's info at org. info at kolleldeershoe, K-O-L-L-E-L, org. You can get all the information via email, and we'll talk more about the big celebration as we get closer. Rabbi Gabi Free, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having us. You enlightened us on a lot of halachas, especially those that pertain to this time of year as we get closer and closer to the holiday of Purim. No water in Mishloch Manos, everybody. Keep that in mind. That's that can put in the water and put in something else yeah, as I'm well. Yeah, I'm saying, right. You could, add, you could definitely have the water if you want it, but make sure to add something else as well. Uh, more coming up. This is JM in the AM. Serve you, Lord. 
Selections from the uh, Dear Shoes CD from years back. There's more brand new music coming up in honor of their big celebration. I want to thank her by Freed for being here this morning at JM and the AM. I also want to thank um, Stephen Miller who joined us in the seven o'clock hour. He's 
from 202 Strategies and is responsible for the Times of Israel poll that everyone's talking about regarding the attitude of Israelis toward President Obama and the uh, potential of Iran uh, getting the bomb. Uh, if you missed any of that, check out our archive section at jmnam.org after our program. Coming up next, it'll be uh, Mayor Weingarten with the Israel Show. There is plenty to talk about uh, from the um, from the state of Israel, including the passing of Uri Orbach, who passed away just a few hours ago. The funeral takes place a half hour from now in um, in Israel, in Modi'in. Mayor will speak about Uri Orbach and his life. We'll also have an Israeli election countdown. He'll discuss how European countries and United States Jews are trying to influence the Israeli elections and bring down the Prime Minister and much, much more all happening on the Israel show coming up. Want to again wish a mazel tov to the Weingast and Engelmeyer families. Ellie Weingast is a chassan and Ariel Engelmeyer is the kala. A mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM as we uh, celebrate together this uh, wonderful mazel tov that took place on Saturday night. Want to again wish a mazel tov to Rochelle and Mark Zamek, honored this past Saturday night at the Young Israel of Teaneck dinner. And a mazel tov to Rifki Kreinberg and Ari Horn. It was an honor to be part of the big celebration yesterday with Aaron Teitelbaum and his great orchestra with Shlemy Daskal and Benny Friedman and just a, an amazing and incredible uh, chuppah presentation. Mazel tov to the Kreinbergs and the Horns from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, tomorrow morning on this program, our friends from Ohel will be here. They have a brand new... Um, how do I put it? Event, contest, um, fundraiser coming up this summer that is going to be very, very interesting, especially for those who love extreme sports. Tomorrow morning we'll introduce the concept to you right here at JMDAM. Make sure to be tuned in. Uh, all day long on the stream we have incredible music at jmdam.org. Make sure to be tuned in as we present an incredible day on this President's Day uh, on our stream uh, that happens every single day, but Mondays seem to always be even more incredible. So make sure to be tuned in all day long. Achim Israel and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmandtheam.org. And that wraps up a Monday President's Day at JM and the AM. The Israel Show is next on jmandtheam.org with Mayor Weingarten. We're back tomorrow morning starting at 9 a.m. Make sure to join us. Till then, Alchem Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.